Hey friends, we're so glad that you've chosen to tune into this podcast from Revival Fires today. We pray that this message brings you closer to Jesus. We'd love to host you at our regular Sunday morning meetings, 10.30 a.m. in Dudley. Also check out our website for our upcoming events. We look forward to welcoming you to our next event. All right, here we go. Here is the message. In the midst of that word, we've been tracking through what God has been saying to us, that in this season, He is talking to us about doors. He's talking to us about building the house and about being a door. And as I've been um, flowing with what God is doing, and see, this is the, the culture, the DNA, the fabric, the heart of what He wants His people to be, is that when He begins to talk to us, we follow what He's saying. When God begins to talk to you, you stop what you're doing and you say, Lord, I'm going to begin to put my attention behind what you're saying. I'm going to start to to dig into this, to read chapters around it, to, to understand the little glimmers of what it is that you're saying to me. So often... We, are, we wonder why we might not hear the voice of the Lord as loudly as other people seem to preach about it or to talk about it. Maybe in life groups, maybe you're watching some great YouTube videos, maybe you're watching um, people, who are men and women who have walked with God and you hear how they talk about how God talks to them and you've wondered, why, did, why does your voice not sound like that to me, God? I got a secret for you. It's because whenever they heard a whisper, they stopped and they turned around. They turned towards it and they pursued it. God's voice never stopped getting any louder, but they get really attuned to to giving attention to the whispers. And when you start to dial down the noise that is around you, the whispers begin to sound much louder. You know, like when you wake up in the morning. Okay, I, I absolutely love children. Children are a blessing from the Lord. The Bible says that he who has a quiver full of children will be blessed by the Lord. I looked that up, a quiver is five. I tried my best, I got to three, but I felt blessed still. You know, if you met my kids, you'd know that two of them have got double portions and the third one has a triple portion. So I've got more than enough, my hands are blessed. And I absolutely love kids. We love what God is doing in the, that room through there. I know that there's many of you who might be visiting us. We want this to become a home you're, for you. You're so welcome here. So if I'm taking a bit of time explaining things, it's because I want you to track the journey with us. That room through there, that door's been going all morning. It's going to keep going. We're going to have lunch in there together later. But in there, there's a bunch of rooms, and our kids' ministry is happening. Uh, every other Sunday, the youth will be in the prayer room. And I absolutely love children, so hear my heart in this. But... Those of you who have children will know, when you wake up in the morning and you've been quiet all night, everything is so silent. The noises that your children make feel like alarm bells going off because you've become so used to the silence. It's the same when we start to turn down the noise in our lives and listen to God's voice in our hearts. All of a sudden, what we used to think was a whisper actually becomes really, really loud, and we can grow with God's voice. And so as we've been, been talking about this season being a season of the door, I've read through, and I'm reading through because it's, it's a long list, all the places and the times in the Word of God, the Bible, the, the message that He has put together for us, for every one of us to have a living relationship with God, we can all have access to that through His living Word, the Bible. I've been looking through all the times that God, that it talks about doors, 
Times when maybe God's people has gathered at the door. Times when God comes to the door. Times when people, and here's the funny thing. In the olden days, they didn't have doors, they had tents. So we're going to be reading about an experience at the door of a tent called an entrance. And every single time God met with his people, and it has been feeding me, it has been helping me understand and journey with the Lord what he is saying to us today in order to fulfill his call upon our life. You guys probably know this scripture. It's in the book of Psalms. It's Psalms 119. I think it's verse 105. And it says this, your word is a lamp unto my, that's it, and a light unto my, what's the difference between a feet and the path? Why can't God just light up my steps and I'll walk in it? I'll tell you why. Because God has given us two different things we need to do as we talk about destiny, as we talk about future, even as we talk about understanding and stepping into the prophetic. You see, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The path is the prophetic destiny that God wants you to reach. The path is the future that's laid before you. So when God says to us, I want you to be those who know what it is to tear down systematic poverty in a land. I want you to be those who knows what it is to give the identity back to a nation. That is a path. That is a journey that is probably going to take the rest of my life in achieving. And I'm saying, Lord, sign me up. It's not the only thing is I'm going to be giving my life to. I'm giving my life to Jesus. And there's going to be other things along the way. But that is the path. And so often we can look at a path and a prophetic destiny and a destination as on the horizon and say, God, how am I going to get there? Or is it just me? God's given you prophetic words for your family, for salvation. God's given you prophetic words for your neighborhood. I know that there's people here that you believe that God is even going to use you to begin to turn around your workplace. And you can say, God, how's that going to happen? Well, the Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. You see, the path is the destination, but our feet is the steps that we need to take. One step at a time. And God hasn't forgotten that there is a structure and a strategy, and he is giving it to us, the church. And I'm going to begin to talk about some of those structures and those strategies today. Do you want the title? Here it is, Hosting the Presence of Jesus. If we are going to be a body, a church, if we are going to be individuals, disciples who see the prophetic destiny that God has put upon us come into fulfillment, we have to be those who host the presence of Jesus. That is the the footsteps that we take. Actually, as we walk down this road, we realize that is our greatest destination. That is our greatest goal. And we're going to take the next couple of weeks to begin to Dig into what it is to be a people who host the presence of God. Oh, Jesus, we want you to come and be so welcome here. We want it to be the flavor of you when they hear, when you hear people speak. We want it to be the flavor of Jesus when you worship. We want you to encounter Jesus because we host you so well. And so those are the steps. Have you ever noticed um, how God calls us? My children, I talk about my children, I absolutely love them. Two of them are in India right now without Anna and I. They're, 12, they're 13 and 16, and the whole team's got there. They had a pretty grueling journey, um, and they're right now on Jeeps all the way up to Darjeeling where they grow the tea, and they're going to be doing some meetings there, but, but the, the kids are there, they're safe, and um, so often God can call us, and he can say, I've got a prophetic word for you. You're going to become a missionary 
to the nations. And that can fill us with excitement. I don't know what God's called you to. You can put your own story in this example. But here's what happens. God, I'm going to be a missionary to the nations. How am I going to get there? You see, and the first thing we can think is, well, I better go buy a plane ticket. And then God says, that's the pathway. But the step is, no, I want you to go. And I want you to sign up to minister in kids' work. Hang on, God. You, you said I'm going to be a, a missionary to the nations. That's the direction of my path. And you're telling me my first step is to serve in the local church. What are you talking about, God? God says, yeah, I know the, the path I have for you. I know the plans I have for you. I want you to learn faithfulness. I want you to learn patience. I want you to learn how to negotiate with little children. <laughs> I, want to, I want you to learn how to put the, the simple gospel truths in a way that people can understand. And you say, okay, God, I'm going to do that. You see, that happened with me and Anna. He called us into leadership. And we, we spent 22 years of our lives waiting for this moment. And there's been points when I've nearly given up. Because I've said, God, that was my destination. And here I am. I'm doing data entry. Uh, uh, Anna doesn't have a mic. What she said is, if you do data entry for Revival Fires, we love you. <laughs> you know, there, there's, there's a destination and we can begin to have our expectation on what it's going to look like. But God says, no, this is, the, this is the step here. This is the step here. This is the step there. And let me tell you, there's a step that we never lose and that is hosting the presence of Jesus. Let's see what the Bible has to say. You ready? Psalm 18, verse 1. So, I just, well done. You guys are on the right page. That was just a test. Genesis chapter 18, verse 1. The Lord appeared. I want you to shout out at me. Appeared. appeared. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat. Say the heat. In the heat of the day, Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them, and he bowed low to the ground. And he said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass by your servant. But let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so that you can be refreshed, and then go on your way. Now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they said, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three cellars of finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf, gave it to the servant who hurried to prepare it. Then he brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared, and he set it before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree, waiting, serving them. Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent. So there's been a number of entrances to the tent. These are doorway encounters. In uh, verse 11, Abraham and Sarah were already very old. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, Will I now have this pleasure? You see, the Lord was giving Sarah and Abraham a prophetic destination. 
was giving Abraham and Sarah the pathway and he was beginning to show them also the steps. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Hallelujah. I will return to you. Let's try that again. Hallelujah. I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid. So she lied and said, I did not laugh. Um, But he said, yes, you did laugh. When the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom. And Abraham walked along with him to see um, them off on their way. And then the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? We'll stop there. God is knocking at the doors of our lives. God was waiting at the tent of Abraham. But he wants to not just be at the door. He wants to come and live in the house. God doesn't want a people who are happy with him being at the door. God wants a people who say, come and live in my house. Come and fill this place. Come and rest here. Let this be a resting place for you. Let this be a place where I want you to dwell. And there's a couple of things I'm going to start to bring out of this passage as we understand what it is to host Jesus. And before I get into it, I want to just preface it by a couple of things that I absolutely am encouraged by this chapter. I'm a preacher up here and I'm talking to you about hosting the presence of Jesus. Where does our mind automatically go? It goes to the church meeting, doesn't it? We can, we can begin to think, okay, he's going to talk, talk about hosting the presence of Jesus, worship, prayer, the word when we gather together, and that will come in one of these weeks. But the context from this story is Abraham was at his home, and God came to him at his home. Abraham didn't say, quickly, call the worship leader, let him bring his acoustic guitar, and we're going to have a worship set, did he? But there's worship in this passage. God didn't say, quickly, call the prayer team. We're going to have a pre-meeting prayer because there's some strangers at the door. At what point did Abraham even know that these three strangers were strangers, but actually what they were? This chapter, this verse, this is called a theophany. What that is, that is a time and a place where the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ appears and makes himself known even in flesh. You've read in, in the chapter of John, verse uh, chapter 1, it says that Jesus became flesh. The word became flesh and he dwelt amongst us. Jesus became flesh when he stepped into the world just over 2,000 years ago and he changed the history of mankind. But there was times when he was appearing to his people and this is one of those times when Jesus himself comes. Some scholars think that there were probably two other angels, two archangels with Jesus and the three of them. But I love the fact that it's three because what does three speak of? The Trinity. So here is God Almighty appearing, initiating an appearance before man. And he comes to Abraham and he doesn't come to the midst of a church. He comes and he knocks on the tent door of his household. Let me tell you, we are all given the most amazing privilege of hosting the presence of God in our homes. We've, we've welcomed people into the body of Christ this morning, the church at Revival Fires, and we've used this analogy, living stones. Let me tell you, the, the way that the church is built up, 
the way that, and the reason why when we gather here, and you can nudge the person next to them because they brought the glory of God when they were worshiping. It was them who was bringing it. The reason it happens is because you, every one of you is a living stone. And when you come together, the house of God is built up. You see, what happens when we are just dead stones? Often what happens is we don't come to church. We stay away from the body of Christ, even though you yourself are a temple. You are a living stone. But when you're a living stone and you come, your whole being resonates with the presence of God and God builds His presence among us. So there is a calling that every one of us has that God is at the door of your house. God is at the door of revival fires. Emma Stark said that this is a place He loves to dwell. Amen. But it's a re- the reason is because we have been a body who've known what it is to have Jesus at the door of our hearts on a Monday morning, not just the Sunday morning. On the Tuesday morning, when the children have woken up earlier than you expected they would have. On the Wednesday morning, when the boss came to work in a foul mood, or maybe for some of you that's every day. On the Friday morning, when the kids at school were a little bit more of a handful than normal, whatever your week has been, you have been a people who say in that moment, Jesus You're here at the door of my life, but I want to host you. I don't just want you at the door. I want you filling my life. I don't just want you waiting at the gate. I want you to come and enter. I don't just want you knocking at the door. I want you to come and dwell. When we become a people that understands every one of us is responsible for the presence of God upon our lives, we will be that church. We will be that church. That God can use to pour His glory out across the world as it says, that the, as the waters cover the sea. When we're that church. You see, the other reason I love this. Um, oh, I love the Word of God because it's so real. Here's Abraham. Okay, he's, guys, you can feel this out with me. All right. He's hosting. He's entertaining. Uh, we, had a, we had some friends on over the weekend and the doorbell rang and it was my joy to go open the doorbell. Welcome to our house. Isn't it great? And then what do we do? We run into the kitchen. Anna, quick, make another cup of tea. There's more people. <laughs> Abraham, welcome to my house. What can I get you? A little bit of water for your feet. Maybe you can sit down and rest yourself. If we have time this morning, rest is so important. Come sit down. I'm going to go and can I feed you? I'll get you some bread. What does he do? He runs in and he says, Sarah, quick, need some flour. Then he runs to the servants. Hey, guys, quick, go get it. Go get a calf. Kill it. Hey, I want you to prepare it. And he's not just delegating. Okay. I've read that chapter so many times and I've thought, yep, to be a better leader, I need to learn how to delegate better. Tick. Here's what he's, here's what he's doing. He's involving his entire household in the encounter. Oh, I want some of you guys to begin to feel this. I want you to begin to feel this. He's involving his entire household in the encounter. If we're going to be that church, if we're going to be those who host God, it's something that we don't just do. First and foremost, we are responsible for our hosting. You know, Abraham had uh, hundreds of servants. Some scholars actually call him um, an ancient Sikh. Sheikh, sorry, Sheikh. Stream, let's fix that. Sheik. 
He was one who lived there as a nomad, walking through the land, and, and he had thousands of cattle and thousands of sheep and hundreds of servants. It would have been very easy if he was a delegator to click his fingers. Hey, servant, there's someone at the door. Go see what they want. Well, he sat in the heat of the sun, in the shade of the heat of the sun. But he didn't. He served. Let me tell you, when it comes to hosting, not only does it have to happen in our lives, in our homes, but we have to be engaged in it. I can't ask Anna in our household to host the presence of Jesus on my behalf. Anna can't ask me to host the presence of Jesus on her behalf. We can't come to a church meeting and ask Jude to worship on my behalf. I'm going to just sit down and let them worship. I'm here. You guys do a great job because I'm with you, you know. That food smells really great. No, no one else can worship on your behalf. No one else can host the presence of God on your behalf. No one else can make a dwelling place for his presence on your behalf. It's you and you alone. And this is why I love this story when Jesus is at the door. And it was Jesus because it was a theophany. No one else can do it for us. Involve the whole family. Oh, I long for your families to be a place where God is so welcome. Uh, I think there's an amen that we can say to the Lord. Lord, would you do it? Let me be real. I'm not saying that all of a sudden you have to preach half an hour before you allow your kids to eat at the dinner table. Oh, you have to get your, some of you don't have kids and that's fine. You say, husband, before you come in, before you take your shoes off and turn the television on, I want you to give me a three-point sermon because I'm hosting the presence of Jesus in this house. Now, that's religion, guys, okay? But begin to involve your children. Begin to involve your spouses. You might be single. You're not, you might not be with, with anyone, but involve your friends. Involve people in your workplace. Begin to involve those around you. Brian, how do you do it? Well, we're going to get to it if we've got time. There's next week. You can come back next week. Because Abraham gives us some incredible keys. But I want, if you can understand the heart behind it first, if you can catch that. That's what culture is. You catch it. If you can catch it, the lights are coming on. God's calling me to be a host of his presence. Bing! That's the sound that my brain makes when lights come on, okay? The lights are coming on. I can do this. I'll be honest with you. We're, we're um, lead pastors. We've worked for the church for 22 years. That doesn't necessarily make it any easier to, be, to bring and introduce God conversations around mealtimes with teenagers. You have to step into that place. We have to step into that place just as much as anyone else. I wish that it was that there's this easy, easy path. We'll talk about this a bit later, but actually it's a narrow path. That God's calling us. I'm, I think you guys are getting this, aren't you? Okay. So, include your family. We can all, God wants it in your home. Yeah, here's, here's the first point then. Or whatever. This is all points. I tell you what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to talk uh, about heart and presence and, and the reasons why. More than I'm trying to just say ABC, point one, point two, point three. Those are great Sometimes they're really good later on when you're in your life group and you're like, oh yeah, point one, point two, point three, And they all began with the letter C. Wasn't that great? <laughs> I want to talk about Jesus. 
And I want us as a body to capture something of his presence and to build a dwelling place here where he knows he's so welcome. So here's the first thing. God initiates the hosting. Let that sink in for a minute. God came to Abraham in the desert. God came and walked by to see what Abraham wanted to do. God wanted to be with him. God stepped into this world. God has come even to the door of your life. God is here today, and he wants you to know that he is initiating the hosting. It's not just something that this is a great idea. If we do this, it's an A, B, C, D, step, one, two, three. All of a sudden, we become that church. No, God is initiating this desire. And that's because it has always been on God's heart that he would have a dwelling place on earth for his presence. It's always been his desire. Sometimes I think that we, this is a... um, a note to myself to teach and to preach better, but sometimes I think as a church, not this church, but as the church, we actually don't understand the Genesis story correctly and how we understand what God, what God meant when he created us as mankind, as humans on earth. We, we, we dilute it and we actually lose our purpose in life. Let me tell you this, the purpose of Eden, the Garden of Eden, the purpose of creation was that God would build a temple on earth where he placed man as his image in the middle of it to be his worshippers. We talk about Adam and Eve sometimes and we just think, well, they were the gardeners. I love gardens. You guys are learning a lot about me. I love children. I love gardens. Adam and Eve weren't just the gardeners. You see, if you understood the Genesis, if I can help you understand the Genesis script through the the narrative and the lenses of, of the people who it was written to, they would see that even when Moses wrote the story about what Adam did and he served in the garden, they would say, whoa, that's exactly the same word that you've used to tell Levite and the priests to serve in the tent of Moses, in the tabernacle of Moses. It's the same word that you've used to be gate keepers. It's the same word that you've used to administer the sacrifices. It's the same word that you've used to be those who go in and light the lamp and keep the shrewbread on the altar. Wait, are you saying that Adam was actually a priest? Bing! Yes, he was. Are you saying then that Eden was just a garden or Eden was actually a temple where God's image would be known on earth because the devil had fallen and he had been cast down to earth and God wanted to reclaim what was lost. And so he planted man in a temple, in a garden of Eden. And he said to them, what did he say? Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Sounds a lot like the glory of the, of the Lord would fill the earth. All of a sudden we realize that garden, the garden of Eden was actually the first embassy. It was the first base, we used the word in hosting, Darren, to litigate and to begin to legislate 
the kingdom of God and our worship. That was the plan all the way from the beginning, that I would build, that God would build a temple where man would dwell and that they would extend his temple until it covered the entire earth. But man didn't guard his gates. And I'm not, it's not about man, woman. I'm using man as humankind, right? Okay? It's not about Eve. Oh, man, you let the snake in. No, Adam did it too. And they fell and they lost the first temple. So what did God do? He said, no problem. I'm got well, big problem actually. <laughs> but I've got a plan. I've never stopped running out of plan. Where's that dude Noah? I like Noah. He's found favor with me. What did it say about Abraham in this text? Abraham says to the theophany, to Jesus and his angels as they come to him at the door of his tent. And he says, if I found favor with you. What is he saying? Noah was the first person who built an ark. God had to start creation again. But God said, no problem. I'm going to find a place where I can fill you with my presence. And you can put all of the creation and we're going to start again. That was Noah. Then he finds a people called Israel. He finds a guy called Abraham. Here, this is the start of Abraham's story. And he builds a temple where his name can be known, where his presence can be known, where he can fill it. God wants to fill it. And then he wants that temple to expand. But what happens is the kings in Israel, they fall. I'm giving you basically a brief overview of the Bible. Who knew that this would all come with hosting the presence of God? See, this is why it's so important we understand this is actually our mandate as the church. Moses' tabernacle didn't work. Didn't, it worked. Let me rephrase that. Man wasn't able to guard it. Man wasn't able to keep the gates. Man wasn't able to keep that expanding. That was okay because God always had a plan. David's tent was amazing. We might talk about that in week, one of these weeks. Um, then comes Solomon's temple. Then comes Zerubbabel's temple. And they start to work. God's, God's presence is known there. But it fails. God always initiates it. And here's what happens. God initiated it by sending his son, Jesus Christ. And he came into the earth and he died for us. And his blood has washed us clean. It has finally made us righteous. Beyond any righteousness that sacrifices of animals can bring. And it's made a way that when he ascended to heaven, his Holy Spirit can come and dwell in us. And now the whole New Testament tells us that we now are the dwelling place of the presence of God. We now are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you this. Eden was temporary. Moses' tabernacle was temporary. Zerubbabel's temp tab temple was temporary. Mary's womb as a dwelling place for God Almighty, it was temporary. The manger as the dwelling place for God, it was temporary. The cross was temporary. The grave, hallelujah, was temporary because God left it behind. But then he sent the Holy Spirit. And where does it dwell? It dwells now in us. And let me tell you, he is building you and me up to become an eternal dwelling place, a house of Lord God Almighty. Finally, he has found a place where he can dwell. Come on, if you're going to clap, clap. Jesus, we're praising you. We're not clapping because I made a good point. We're clapping because we realize what you're doing in our lives. And this is eternal. This is something that God is always going to keep increasing because his blood has covered it. So here's what I want to say to you. If you've ever felt like you were not good enough, 
If you've ever felt like, Ryan, you're talking about hosting God's presence, but if you knew the week that I've been, if you knew the things that I struggle with, if you knew just how I felt that I'm not good enough, I want you to know God has initiated this in your life. I want you to know that God has come to you and He has sent His Son Jesus, whose blood is sufficient, whose blood still speaks a better word today, and you are covered. No longer can we entertain the excuse, but I don't feel good enough. That's okay, because I've got good news. You'll never be good enough. Ryan, that's not good news. It's good news because you've got to stop striving to be good enough. Good enough is not the goal. Perfection is not the goal. Hosting the presence of Jesus is the goal. Surrender is the goal. Saying, here I am. I can't do it on my own. I could never do it on my own. I was never meant to do it on my own. All I was meant to do was say, Lord, you come and fill. I believe in your blood. It's enough. It's washed me clean. Ah, isn't that freedom? You see, God initiated. He came to Abraham at his tent. And if you notice the word, Abraham says this. He says, do not pass by. It's the same word that's used at the Passover. What happened at the Passover? I'll tell you what happened at the Passover. There was another doorway. It was the doorway again of everybody's home. And something had to happen on that doorway. They had to apply the blood of the lamb that was slain. It was, again, a temporary lamb because that's all they could do was prophesy about what was coming in the future. And we have the lamb that was slain once and for all. His name is Jesus Christ. And his blood still speaks today a better word. And his blood can be applied to the doorway of your life, whereby any sickness can now pass over you. Any curse can now pass over you. Any hindrance can now pass over you. Anything that's not from the Lord can pass over you so that God Almighty will not pass you by. He can come and he can dwell in your heart. This is the goal of the church. Abraham wasn't just the forefather of our faith. Abraham was actually modeling what it is to be the church of Jesus Christ. Would you welcome the presence of Jesus? Would you get him from being at the door and have him come and dwell in the house? Yes, Lord, we will. God initiates it. If you're struggling with any areas of inferiority, uh, we're going to pray it before we say grace today. That God is going to remove it. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And how sometimes we can get so small-minded and thinking, I'm going to host Jesus in my family because his presence is beautiful. And I just want people to experience his presence. Yes, that's good. But we're hosting his presence because he's initiated it. And he's looking for a dwelling place on earth for all of mankind. He's looking for a temple that will continue to increase and stretch out until the whole world is covered with his glory. See, God is inviting us into his great big plan. And this is the structure. We begin to structure our lives. He's called us into the Passover. And, and here's another thing. We talk about the presence. I, I've been guilty of this. Sometimes we can talk about presence as if it's some ethereal feeling. Who appeared to Moses? To Moses. Abraham. I'm with it. Okay. Who appeared to Abraham? Jesus Christ. Was, was Abraham just hosting a presence or was he hosting a person? Let me tell you, when I'm talking about hosting the presence, it's the presence of Jesus. It's not just the feeling 
the experience. It's not just the ethereal presence. It's his very person. It's the Holy Spirit. It's God Almighty. And he himself wants to find a home. Will he find a home in your heart? Will he find a place where you can come and dwell with him, sup with him? It's God himself. Hosting is a personal responsibility. I told that. I've already talked to you about that. I love as you read this story because, again, it wasn't in a church. He didn't call the worship leader. He didn't get out his guitar and start singing his favorite song. But he did do some things. Did you notice as we read all the action words? He hurried. He said quick. He prepared. He hastily did it. And not only that, he brought the finest flour. He brought the best ingredients. He was generous. Three sellers of flour, I thought that was like three bowls. You know, there's three guys, a bowl per guy, maybe three loaves of bread. That was three sellers of flour was 36 pounds of flour. Should we just say this? Lord, multiply the food next door. I'd love 36 pounds of curry chicken. If you could do that. But if they, yeah, it's a miracle. If they ate 36 pounds of bread, they'd be sat there for a long time. Right? And they wouldn't be, they wouldn't be leaving the table in a rush either. And Abraham's like, tick, job done. I got you to stay as long as you could. I'm bringing out the food. I'm bringing out the finest. I'm bringing out the choice ingredients. Did you read that in the, in the scripture? It says the finest. Is it Tesco's finest? Yes. And he brought out the choice ingredients. Is it Sainsbury's choice? He was generous. Oh, he was extravagant. He didn't hold back. Though it cost him, he gave him his best. But he hurried. You see, hosting is action. He was swift in obedience. He took timely action and he gave an immediate response. You see, so often we can talk about hosting the presence of Jesus and we can think, okay, great, just um, change gears from the practical. Right now I'm going to step into the Spirit. In the year of the Spirit, I was at once in the Spirit and I saw a door open before me. And that's true. That's what it says in Revelation chapter 4. And that's true. I'm not belittling the Spirit. But let me tell you, so often we Don't take the actions in the practical that we need to bring us into the spirit. Yeah? Is that good? We live this this kind of like divided world sometimes. It's not there in the scriptures. Let me tell you. God has made you whole. He has made you spirit and flesh. But so often the reason we divide it is we live with our flesh reigning over our spirit. If we're going to host Jesus, we need to let our spirit reign over our flesh. But don't forget about your flesh. I love this analogy. It's said of Mary and Martha. They're in the New Testament. Who were they hosting? I'm a bit deaf up here. Who were they hosting? And it's said about this. Martha got Jesus in the house. But Mary kept him there. Let that sink in a bit. So often we've thrown Martha out with the bathwater because she was rushing around in the kitchen. She was doing the feeding and we've thrown her out and we've said, I just need to be a Mary sat at Jesus' feet. Jesus wasn't saying that. He was saying Mary has chosen the one thing. Only one thing matters. But Martha got Jesus in the house. 
May we be a people as we host God's presence that we remember God is calling us whole to host Him practically, to make ways practically for the Spirit. What are you talking about, Ryan? Well, I'll tell you. When I begin to sense that God has initiated a conversation with me, those are big words. Let's just be real. I'm driving in the car down to church, and I see something in the corner of my eye of creation that causes my heart to overwhelm with worship, and God is initiating a conversation with me. Practical, linked to the spiritual. I have a choice. Do I take immediate action? Am I Abraham? Am I hurrying to prepare myself? I say, God, thank you for your creation. What do you want to speak to me? And I postured myself in the practical way, ready to hear what he wants to say to me in the spirit. Or do we say, oh, well, that's really good. But you know what? I'm running late and the traffic's already bad. And my, I've got a meeting there. I've got to get to work. Which one do we do? Okay, take a big breath. I want to hear it. Big breath. I know you've done both, okay? I've done both. I'm not telling you off. But what I'm trying to do is prove to you a point. Let's be those who host the presence of God practically as well as spiritually. Faith does not delay. Take action today to every seemingly small thing that you hear in God's sake because He is initiating it. Take action. God is saying, hey, my, my lover. Hey, my friend. I want to spend time with you today. Will you turn aside and just read that Bible reading plan you started? Will you turn aside and pray? We've prayed for a nation of Israel, and we've prayed for the people in the Middle East. Would you pray for them with me? Would you hear my heart? Would you pray for your family? Your children are on a plane to India. Will you pray with, with me for them, for their protection, for their connections? Yes, I will, God. Yes, I will, God. No, God, I won't because I'm busy. Haven't you noticed I'm trying to catch up on this Netflix series? Did that stand on too many toes? <laughs> there wasn't any laughing. Okay. Hey, God, would you put your awe in our hearts? You can hear the point I'm making. Let me tell you another thing that Abraham tells us about hosting the presence of God. It's not always easy, but it's totally true. It's inconvenient. Why was Moses sat in the heat of the day. I'll tell you why. Because it's hot in those countries. It's really, really hot. And he's, you can't do anything else. Any of you guys, you know, I'm talking about heat now. You're like, take me back to my summer holiday. I'm on the lounger in Turkey. I'm on the lounger in Greece. Where, you know, where it's so hot, all I can do is just roll off the sun chair into the swimming pool. That's about all I can manage. <laughs> I know, weather's, weather's changing, season's changing. In the heat of the day, it was hot in Mesopotamia, in northern Israel there by Babylon. It's hot. But what does Abraham do? He steps through his comfort zone. He steps over his inconvenience. And he jumps up and he hurriedly served them. Not only was it hot. Let's be honest. He was 99 years old. Hosting is inconvenient. I talked to you about God initiating this. This whole thing is his idea. He's looking for a dwelling place. It says in this story in Genesis 18 that God came to him in the heat of the day. What did God do in Genesis? It says in Genesis chapter 3 that God would walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening. That is the place where God has made for us initially to dwell. But because of what was fallen, God came to Abraham and he tested him. 
How are you going to respond to me? I'm not coming in the cool of the evening. I'm not coming at 11.30 in the morning when you've done all your, the things you had to do first and you've got a bit of time. I'm coming when it's hot. I'm coming when it's sweaty. I'm coming when you're exhausted. I'm coming when you're tired. And we have an opportunity to say, God, I'm going to step through the inconvenience and I'm going to start hosting you. Let me tell you, we don't talk enough about this in church. Being a Christian is inconvenient. Okay, I don't have a room of Christians, I guess. Let's try that again. Being a Christian is inconvenient. You guys know what I'm talking about. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ is inconvenient. Living in this world is not our home. We are pilgrims here. The world doesn't like us. If it does like you, perhaps we need to host Jesus on a whole other level. Do you know what I'm talking about? My standards from what God has told me in the Bible is totally contrary to what the world's standards are. My standards when I'm talking to my children about what it's like being in high school and what I'm encouraging them to believe in and to do action is totally different from their friends in high school. But let's make it even more personal. My standards of what I read about in the Bible about me are so different to what my flesh wants me to do. It's inconvenient to be a follower of Jesus Christ. But David said, I will not bring him an offering that costs me nothing. And to host the presence of God, we are a people who say, I will say yes to the inconvenience. I will say yes. And this, we don't talk much about this. Being a Christian is picking up your cross and following God. And so often we can think that if I just talk about the good of the gospel, you know, God's got a good plan for you. Maybe then people who bring visitors to church will give their lives to him because he's good. He'd never stop being good. But we don't have to dial down on the fact that following Jesus is to die daily. Following Jesus is actually to take up the narrow way. Oh, let, me, let me make this really good for you, okay? If you've been feeling like I've come to church to feel real good, Ryan, and you're making me feel bad, it's about to get real good, okay? Let me tell you about this narrow way. There are difficulties. I know you guys. We love connecting, we love life groups, we love hearing your stories, we love praying with you, we love coming to your houses and blessing them. We, we know that there have been difficulties, okay? I know that you have been facing hardships. I know that there are times that are hard in your lives. And I know that there can be these kind of conversations. You know, Lord, things are really tight financially. Can I trust that you are still faithful, and I've got good news for you. What you are experiencing in your hardships isn't that you've made a misstep. What you're experiencing in your difficulties isn't that you've got things wrong. What you're experiencing in your difficulties is this. You are coming through the narrow way. And you have an opportunity in the midst of the narrow way to say, am I going to host despair or am I going to host Jesus? You have an opportunity in the narrow way to say, am I going to host defeat or am I going to host Jesus? You have an opportunity in the narrow way to say, am I going to host the, the difficulties I'm going through? Or am I going to instead choose to host Jesus? Let me tell you what he's doing in your life as you go through the, the narrow way. He is creating this ingredient called 
desperation. We are people so desperate that unless God comes, we can do nothing. We've tried it in our own strength and it doesn't work. We end up with Ishmael's. This is where Abraham was in his journey. He was desperate. His wife laughs at the word of God that he is going to have a child, that she is going to be pregnant this time next year. Why? Because her body's as good as dead. Her Lord, that means my husband, was 99. He was finished. (laughs) I'm trying to be real with you. He had no vivacity. He was gone. But they were desperate still for the promises of God. In your narrow way, would you allow God to birth a desperate nature within you that says, God, I'm not going to stop making my life a resting place. Right now, my relationships, and I want to prophesy to some of you because I felt this last night I was going to bed. There are relationships that just don't feel like they're in order. You say, God, are you still faithful to the family? God, are you still the one who orchestrates relationships? And I don't know what I'm going through. You are going through a narrow place and come through the narrow place because you are going to learn how to Host the presence of God in the midst of the narrow place. And you are going to discover in your desperate state that He truly is all you need. We will be those who say, yes, we will be those who say, even like like God said to Sarah, is anything too hard for the Lord? I'm speaking to some of you. I know that there are people who have been struggling with the way that you think about yourself. Am I really good enough? Does God really like me? The God who looks down from heaven and he sees me. Am I really good enough? You're going through a narrow place. God is enough for you. I want to speak to those even in your finances. Embrace the narrow place. Stay in a place of dependency and trust. The world would want you to begin to host other things. But the only thing you need to host is a place of faith for Jesus Christ. Even in our inconvenience, Lord, we're learning to host you. We're learning to come through the narrow place. Death is always involved. But let me tell you, after the death, okay, being a Christian is inconvenient. Being a Christian is dying to ourselves daily. But what the world doesn't know is being a Christian is having resurrection power. And we might die to ourselves daily, but what I plant even in despair one day, I, God raises to life in hope the next day. May you be a people who know how to host the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in your everyday life. Thanks for listening. Stay connected, be resourced and equipped by subscribing to our YouTube channel, our podcast channel, and following us on social media at Revival Fires on Instagram and Facebook. If you've been impacted by this ministry, why don't you consider investing and sowing a gift? Visit our website for details on how to give.